0: listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: A driver involved in a single vehicle rollover on the 403 is now in custody after he assaulted several good Samaritans who came to his aid. Now, the initial collision involved a white hatchback that occurred just before 3 a.m. in the westbound express lanes of Highway 403 approaching Eglinton Avenue. And police say that a total of three people were taken to hospital with minor injuries as a result of this incident. Let's hear more now from Constable Lauren Ball of the OPP.
2: A male driver attempted um, to stop to assist this uh, crashed vehicle and the, and the male driver. And, um, and at that point in time, the suspect male uh, actually is physically assaulted the uh, male driver who had stopped to assist.
1: There is some suspicion that drugs and or alcohol may play a factor in all of this, as you heard in the news. But I ask the question because I think everyone has had this experience where you're driving down the road and there is a car on the side of the road and perhaps there's a person there. And you think to yourself, everyone has this sort of thought, like, should I stop? You know, in a land of, in a world of cell phones and being able to call emergency services, is that the wise thing to do? A from a you know safety point of view, your own safety, because you're now on the side of a road, or something like this. I think that's a hard question to answer, and I think when you get news like this, it makes us all a little less helpful, and that is just too bad if that is the situation that comes out of what happened on the 403. Meanwhile, at Pearson Airport, you may have heard this now, RCMP say they have arrested 11 people, including two Sunwing Airlines employees, in connection to a drug trafficking ring that was working out of Toronto-Pearson. Mounties say the raids conducted in the GTA this week infiltrated a number of groups allegedly trafficking fentanyl and other drugs. The officers say they seized 10 kilos of fentanyl, 1.3 kilos of heroin, 30 kilos of marijuana, meth, and 400K in cash. Let's go to the 30 kilos of marijuana, shall we? Why are we importing marijuana into a country where marijuana is legal and they're growing it legally? Well, maybe it's because you can't get it legally. And later on in the program, we're going to talk about a significant development in the cannabis industry. A CEO has been fired with cause because a company was illegally growing marijuana to try and satisfy the growing demand in this country for legal pot. And now that company is down in the dumps in the stock market, and that may actually be impacting your stocks. Do you even know if you hold green stocks? Do you even know if you hold any kind of cannabis stocks in your portfolio? A little later on, we're going to look at what is going to happen with the cannabis industry in this country. But I want to talk more today about Amber Alerts, and specifically that Amber Alert at 3 a.m., earlier this week, that woke so many people up, and of course then people called into 911 to complain, and we had this vicious circle back and forth as virtue signaling outraged people were complaining about, you know, those calling into 911 before they even heard that anybody had actually done that. That's the sort of world we live in these days. But let's get some perspective on Amber Alerts, because I think there is room here for a conversation about what is working and what is not working with Amber Alerts in this province. And I think we can do so without resorting to uh, calls for fines or finger-wagging. I want to play for you Zach Miller in conversation with Drex on this radio station, on the shift with Drex. Zach Miller was actually rescued 13 years ago as a young boy after he'd been abducted he was rescued because an Amber Alert was issued. Here's Zach Miller.
0: Zach is almost 23, and in five days, it'll be the 13th anniversary since he was abducted by Peter Whitmore, and he told Global News earlier today that if it wasn't for certain individuals spotting the vehicle, uh, mentioning an Amber Alert, he wouldn't be here. I spoke to Zach earlier today from from his home in Saskatchewan, where he says he is angry about hearing that people call 911 to complain about Amber Alerts.
3: I can't stress how angry that makes me to be honest to see people angry about the amber alert system really really gets under my skin that shows me that people aren't putting things in order that they should as an amber alert is when a child in known harm's way and so when an amber alert comes out there's a child in danger What point do you not understand that you need to drop everything you're doing and pay attention to that system? Anytime there's natural disaster, anything in that circumstance, people stop what they're doing. Why isn't this happening with children? Because whenever I'm out talking to school groups, stuff like that, I'm out working with the OPP, RCMP, schools, different child advocacy groups. My biggest thing is on children is they're the next generation they're the next lawyers, doctors by ministers of this country and we're doing a really terrible job right now
4: after protecting
0: them there's a move in Ontario, uh, a petition anyway, to uh, have people getting, uh, get, you know, receive fines if they start calling 911 to complain about Amber Alerts. Now, the reason the police don't generally fine people for abusing 911 is because it may turn people off from calling 911. But wh- what do you think of the idea of actually punishing people who abuse the 911 system because of Amber Alerts? Well, it's
3: the same thing uh, with people calling uh, in false fire calls. I'm a volunteer firefighter up here in Saskatchewan, and we get false fire calls all the time. Mm. And it's a waste of our time and resources. It's the same thing with an Amber Alert. Like, when people start phoning and complaining about this, there needs to be actions done. Mm. This, this can't be happening. We can't, not, we can't be having the system pushed under and pushed under time and again when it's needed at that time when it's the most critical for that child.
0: You've, you have said multiple times in multiple interviews that if it wasn't for an Amber Alert that you wouldn't be here today. That's pretty profound stuff for people to read, isn't it?
3: It is. If it wasn't for the Amber Alert going out, and the information it held within that Amber Alert, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here to be able to be the voice for the people who can't speak out, for the children who are still missing.
1: That is an important perspective, I think, as we talk about this Amber Alert situation. You were listening to Zach Miller in conversation with Drex. Zach Miller was rescued because of an Amber Alert. Now, keep in mind, one of the key things about Amber Alerts is, like any kind of alert, if you do it too much, it loses its effectiveness. So there have been six Amber Alerts in Ontario in 2019 already. And of course, those complaints continue to tie up nine one one. Police recently released audio of a man calling in to complain to nine one one. His voice masked to conceal his identity. Here is that complaint.
2: I want to know who the hell is sending these alerts? Out. What the, what right do you have to send alert out to Niagara Falls? Wake me up at five o'clock in the f- morning.
1: The OPP have said in response to that is we will do whatever we can. We will use whatever tool we have. We are talking about kids in distress, but is there a real cost to this, and I don't mean financial, a cost to alerting millions of people across this province, waking them up at 3 a.m. and disturbing their sleep? Here is Professor Lawrence Ashworth from Queen's University. A disturbed night for one person might not seem like a big deal, but when you aggregate that over... Um, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people, uh, there could be some real costs associated with that. Uh, You know, all those interrupted nights, and you think about car accidents or workplace accidents. So that is a different perspective again. And I know this gets people upset because people like to get angry about, you know, this is a simple one. You call in 911 to complain about an Amber Alert, you're a jerk, and I want to tell you you're a jerk, and now I feel better that I called somebody a jerk, and I feel better about myself, and I can go about my day. But I still think that there is there are tweaks to this program that are required. If we have had six of these already in Ontario this year, and we continue at that pace, it will not be long before people do figure out how to turn off the Amber Alert system, the alerts on their phone, and just start ignoring it altogether. We'll stop talking about it. as a, oh, It's like, that's ah, another Amber Alert, whatever. You know, it's just one of those things that happens. And there's a real danger in that. So I want your perspective when we come back. I'm going to open up the phone lines, and I want you to tell me about whether or not the Amber Alerts are being overused or misused, and I am not going to shame you for saying that. I'm not going to say, well, you shouldn't complain about it, because I think there is room here for a discussion about how the system works and how it can be approved, and I don't think finger-wagging or shaming is going to do that. Ontarians want punishment for crybabies who call 911 to whine and pout about receiving notifications through the Amber Alert system. That is in the Toronto Sun today. A quote from there, a petition directed, of course, at uh, Doug Ford and the Attorney General has amassed over 75,000 signatures already. You heard about this story earlier in the week. And then there are the shamers on Twitter And one of the shamers says this. How to turn off the Amber Alert and stop raging like it's someone else's fault. Step one, go to your phone setting. Step two, search for emergency alerts in the settings search bar. Step three, turn off the alerts that you don't want. Step four, slap yourself for being a jerk. So that's how you actually do it. But... My question is, is there room for improvement in the Amber Alert system? And let's have this discussion without calling each other noobs or jerks or clowns. Let's go to Kevin. Kevin's in Hamilton. And Kevin, what do you think? Can the Amber Alert system, or should it be improved?
5: Oh, it definitely has room for improvement. Um, the The issue I see is that... Um... If, if you're doing this too often, the people all over the province, they end up turning off the phone, uh, which is something I actually did last night for the first time in years. And uh, the system wasn't just designed for Amber Alerts. It's for any sort of disasters. And if people are resorting to turning, it, turning off the alerts, what happens if there's something, say, a tornado or, or um, some other disaster that will actually affect them directly in their sleep? Uh, that's the the issue I see. If you're using, if you're abusing the technology too often, it's yeah. like, boy, you cried wolf.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ignore it. Absolutely, Kevin. And I think that's yep. a great point. Thank you so much. It's a good point because that was the concern about the Amber Alert system in its first iteration in this province. And there was all kinds of complaints, so, well, wait a second, we had this situation, and this is clearly a child in distress, and why didn't you issue an Amber Alert? And the complaint from police were was, the local police was, well, you know, it has to meet all of these criteria to be able to be uh, an Amber Alert. And then so we went back, and we looked at the system and said, okay, no, we need to change it, and we have changed it, and now, well now is it just simply too much and is it a situation of crying wolf rick is in woodbridge Rick, you've got the last uh, four amber alerts on your phone you, you think it's too much
4: listen you know what it's all a matter of mismanagement and there's such an easy simple fix for this that i just don't understand First of all, you got the morons on one side who are calling 911. That's idiotic and that's ridiculous. Now you got the snowflakes on the other side that no, ma- no matter what you say to try and give ideas as to how to make it better while well, you're just an idiot and what if it was your kid, ba 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 ba. All I say is this, and it's very simple. All I want to do is I want to have the option, when I go to bed at midnight, I want to have the option of being able to turn it off.
1: You can do that. And you know that you can do that, no
4: no, right? no, 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 no. I realize that, but I'm trying to explain. Three o'clock in the morning, I, four times it hit me between 3.05 and 3.47. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get up at three o'clock in the morning and get dressed and put my clothes on and try and find somebody, regardless if it's a child or anything else. Don't get me wrong. And other people will not do the same thing as well.
1: Sure, no, but but, but what's uh, you you, awesome. you said that you said that you thought that there was an easy solution. I'll give you a chance to say that. What do you think the easy solution is?
4: The easy solution is to be able to give people the option to turn it off, not not during the day, but. To but, be able to turn it off when they need to turn it off
1: you, you, you it can you can, can do that. You can do that. and i did I did point I, that out.
4: I, I've tried that with my phone, and it doesn't work.
1: Okay, so. good, good to know. I haven't tried it myself, so I don't know, but I, I, I read this from some other experts that say that this is how you do it. Yeah. And again, I haven't done that myself. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate your call. Thanks very much. I want to go to David, because he's calling from Burlington. And I got a soft spot for people from Burlington, because that's my hometown. Uh, David, what do, you, what do you think? You think it's a issue of cry wolf, and that things need to be changed?
2: <clears throat> I, I think people need to realize that like I think it, it it's a good thing it helps let's face it we there's proof that this is it's it's a it's a helping thing, but we have to realize that somebody that's sleeping at three o'clock in the morning is not gonna be of service you're not helping anybody, so you know I, I, I think in, in more than anything, it just needs to be thought out where maybe cell phones don't get alerted unless they're in use or, you know what I mean? Because now people make the thing, well, shut it off. I, you just said that there's a way to shut it off. I'm actually searching that on my phone right now, and I can't find anything. So maybe if they do a PSA, that, a public service announcement that of how to do that, that'd be great.
1: Apparently you go into settings. I'll just read this yeah. again. You go into settings. You search okay. for emergency alerts. That's the in the settings search bar. You turn off the alerts you don't want. There's apparently a thing right on there that says I'm looking at it right here. It says boom. You just kind of click that off, and you say I don't want an amber alert.
2: Okay. Well, if it's that easy, then I think there's there's the there's the uh the like uh, the 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 answer. People saying that you can just shut your phone off. Well, then I'm I'm shutting myself off to family and and loved ones that no matter. What time they call, I will jump out of bed to do something for it because obviously it 's important no i I feel bad that i don 't feel that way about the entire public, but unfortunately i i don 't think we do
1: uh, all right, David, Thank you very much. I appreciate your call, and I just want to move on from that but i did want to I, I did want to have a kind of discussion an adult conversation because i don't think we're having that about the amber alert system and one of our callers really pointed that out you had of course he used the word snowflake and we, can we just leave that behind but uh you know we do have this both sides we got the you know we got the virtue signalers with the finger wagging and on the other side you know get the people upset and i, I think there's just definitely room for improvement want to quickly pivot to North Carolina, where a man has died from a rare brain-eating amoeba after sweeping, swimming pardon me in a man-made lake at a water park. Uh, apparently, this amoeba can cause severe illness up to nine days after the exposure. This seems absolutely terrifying. Dr. Brett Belchitz is 640 Toronto's medical expert. Brett, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. A brain-eating amoeba, like I need another reason never to leave the house, Brett.
5: (laughs) It does sound a little bit scary.
1: What is that?
5: So this is a parasitic uh, organism that is typically found, and and this is very, very rare, but but typically found in warm, fresh water environments and very rarely over the course of many many decades have we seen this cause infection and it's actually very hard to pick up if you swallow water you don't get infected the only way that you get infected with this organism is if you're unlucky enough to be in a place that This organism is present in the water, and the water goes up your nose at quite a high velocity up into the upper nasal cavity. So most of the time, casual exposure where, you know, is splashing around near your nose or, you know, you're swimming underwater, this would probably not infect you. Uh, So it really is an awful thing that can cause quite severe illness. In fact, most of the cases of this where people have been infected have been fatal, but it's something that's very rare, very hard to contract.
1: is, Is it a question of just finding it in time or once it's in there, that's that?
5: It really is a question of prevention. You really don't want to get infected with this at all. So it's something that if you're, for instance, in a swimming pool, if that swimming pool is properly maintained, sanitized, chlorinated, this organism will not survive. It won't be there. So the key is proper water maintenance, not being somewhere where this exists, making sure that water is not contaminated with this. The unfortunate reality is that once you are infected with this organism, there aren't a lot of treatments that have been proven to work. So there are some drugs that in laboratory settings seem to be able to fight this organism. But unfortunately, in the 30-some-odd cases where we've seen people infected with this organism, even treatment with those medications that work in the lab does not seem to have been effective at actually resolving the cases. So most of those cases have ended with a fatal outcome. So again, it's not about catching it early. It's about preventing this from ever beginning.
1: And, of course, that is going to raise questions considering that this was a water park, so this was a man-made environment where you would think that there would be some kind of precaution against this sort of thing developing.
5: Yes, absolutely. So if you are going to operate any type of water park, water facility, public pool, private swimming pool... It is really, really important. It's imperative on you that you maintain water quality. There are so many adverse things that can happen when you don't properly take care of the water. So if you're not properly chlorinating, if you're not properly sampling the water regularly to ensure that the chemicals that we know are necessary to keep that water clean are at the right levels to make sure the water is maintained, all of these are your responsibilities. And I would say there's a huge uh, huge issue here in terms of the fact that this organism was allowed to grow here. It speaks to the fact that the water wasn't being maintained properly. It wasn't being monitored properly, and certainly there will be some negative ramifications for this water park for having had this occur.
1: And I'll just note that this uh, particular amoeba also killed an Ohio college student who went underwater at the U.S. National Whitewater Center in Charlotte in 2016. And the family of that young man settled a wrongful death complaint in April. He died 11 days after being thrown overboard and then going underwater at the center during a 2016 church trip. And I guess that adds up with what you're talking about in terms of forced water at a high velocity going into the nasal cavity
5: yeah absolutely so you're seeing two very similar cases you know this older one that you're speaking about is certainly a set of events that would have forced a lot of water high up into the nose and similarly when you're in a water park lots of high velocity water lots of jets of water you're moving at high speeds often in a water park lots of opportunity for the water to get shoved up the nose quite aggressively so so these two events line up and similarly the the idea that these are both in settings where water maintenance would have been a priority you know in this past case uh, somewhere where there was a wrongful death suit, clearly, you know, as a result of the water, I would guess, not being maintained to the level it needed to be maintained, I would envision there will be a similar outcome as a result of this newest case.
1: Uh, just one last question here, Brett, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm a wakeboarder. I love wakeboarding. I'm not terrible at it, but I love to do it. Uh, and often I'll go to a wake park. And what wake parks are is they tend to be sort of almost just still water um, and then you just get towed across with a a tow rope. And so I have a concern there that if it's sort of a still water area um, or, you know, a, a disused marina like in Belleville, they have one like that that I've been to. Is that a concern? Because when I fall, the water goes right up the old schnoz
5: it certainly is a possibility so this is a freshwater organism so you know anywhere where you're going to be doing activities like this that are fresh waters so or not salt water and if it is a warmer water environment there's higher likelihood there is a chance that this organism could be present and again if you're especially in an area where you know it could be potentially fresh water that nobody is managing so it's natural water it, there is a likelihood or a possibility that this could be here but again you have to look at the odds of this it's incredibly low so you know in the last 60 some odd years, there have only been 30 something cases across all of North America. So, you know, your odds of being, you know, killed, you know, in a motor vehicle collision are much higher. You know, your odds of having a plane crash are almost higher than this. So I would say there's no cause for panic. It certainly shouldn't be something that you should be worried about in your day to day life. But that being said, if you ever are. Going to a water park or any any type of you know, pool facility where many people are swimming, you, you certainly want to inquire about their water maintenance policies, how they monitor the water, how they treat the water, and, and certainly, you know, if you see water that you look at and you see something about that water is making me concerned that it's not being chlorinated properly or cared for it properly, do not swim in that water. You know, there's a whole host of things that you can pick up that are much more common than this that will certainly make you very uncomfortable. And even those are pretty significant reasons why you should avoid.
1: Well, that's all bad and good news, I suppose. Brett Belches, thank you so much. My pleasure. You have a great day. Welcome back to the program. A new study from British Columbia's crown-owned power utility finds that office air conditioners... Are the leading reason for heated arguments between colleagues. A report from BC Hydro says an increased use of air conditioning in the office leads to worker discomfort. 25% of those asking, uh, 25% of those asked, pardon me, saying office temperatures have prompted disagreements between co workers. Hmm. A BC Hydro spokeswoman says its data supports other studies showing that many office climate control systems are based on an outdated thermal comfort formula designed to suit the metabolic rate of of men the utility recommends that offices be cooled to between 23 and 26 celsius and that air conditioning should be turned off when the office is unoccupied of course a hydro company would say that but this leads us to a question about is this an argument that you have in your workplace and does it divide down gender lines my next guest Together, they laugh at the pain and misfortune of others and invite you along for the ride. They are Coulter and Meredith from 102.1 The Edge. Hello, and thanks for being here. Thanks for having us.
6: What an introduction. How
1: like <laughs> that? I pulled that right from the web, the, oh, yeah. the, the interweb. That's actually what it says when you Google you guys. All right, let's begin with you. Uh... Is it too cold in the office? Is the A.C. set too low?
7: I think so. And I think that when it comes to men versus women, I think that men and women are probably both cold. But men have to do that, like, stupid macho guy thing where they're like, oh, no, I'm fine. Oh, we're okay. We're fine.
6: Really? You think so?
7: I think so. I think that men are just as cold as women.
6: Okay, I, I disagree. I've worked with, uh, with many men in the past going in and out of the studio, and any time I would take the studio that, and a man has had it before me, I would walk in and it would feel like I was walking into a refrigerator, and the first thing I'd have to do is just turn up the heat immediately.
1: Does that have something to do with uh, fashions, gender fashions? Because, you, you know, in the middle of summer, especially you go down to the downtown core, into the financial district, and the dudes are all wearing suits. And of course, then they go up to their a seat offices in their suits, and the women are all in sundresses because it's smoking hot outside. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I think that that's a huge part. I always feel bad when I see men in their full suits in the summertime because it's got to be hot. And it's got to be uncomfortable. And then you're sitting in your own sweat. But in the office place... the wo- yeah, It's more of a yeah, stew. Yeah, yeah, it's more yeah. of a stew. But I always feel like the office has the air conditioning on too high in the summer. I mean, we look forward to the warm temperatures so much. And then we buy all these clothes that are suited towards the warm temperatures. And then we spend eight hours a day freezing.
7: But are men wearing these suits because they're cold in the first place? Like, are they wearing the same thing they would wear in the winter because it's just as cold in the office?
1: because it's a constant temperature yeah. upstairs I, at um, Don Mills at the other workplace where we I do the uh, television show there are people who actually have space heaters underneath their desks in August just cranked.
7: Meredith has a sweater in the studio.
6: I have a go-to <laughs> studio sweater that I just I, put on. I've given up the fight. Yeah. It's fine. We'll adjust the temperature for you and I've got a sweater.
1: Every woman at Global News in Don Mills has a pashmina yeah. just with them stored in their desk at any time. They yeah. just might have to break that out
6: yeah absolutely does
1: it lead to arguments though like turn it up turn it down
6: uh not so much between you and I yet right Coulter?
7: yeah no I'd say we both like it pretty warm in there but I think that um maybe some of the irritability stems from you're outside it's 40 degrees you're inside it's 12 degrees and the constant inside outside just makes you sick so I think that's why a lot of us are irritable and that's why maybe a lot of us are having arguments in the first place
6: I did work with uh, another male when I was out in Vancouver before taking this job here in Toronto. And and we would argue, not horribly, obviously, because it's such a trivial thing, but we would have to find the common ground where he'd be like, what you want is ridiculous. Right. I'm going to be sweating. I am sweating. And I'd be like, well, what you want is ridiculous. My lips are turning blue. So we've got to find a middle ground sure. here.
1: There has to be middle ground. Here's another gender um, difference. Uh, no man ever reaches out and touches someone and says, I'm so cold. That never happens. But women will do that all day long. Here, I am so cold. Here's my icy hand yeah, that's on your back. Why is it that women want to do that? I guess
6: to prove it, I think. I feel like people think that we're making it up. You know, like, oh, I'm so cold. How can you be so cold? It's 30 degrees outside. It's summertime. Why are you cold? Feel, here, look, I'm freezing.
7: Yeah, your hands on the back of my neck, it feels like Voldemort. But I'll tell you this, <laughs> sure. I, maybe I'm going to try doing it. My hands are freezing
1: right now. I maybe know. I'm going to try doing that to you. Yeah, but Coulter this is the truth. You probably just say, "Hey, I'm cold." You don't say, "Hey, I'm cold." Let me put my icy, clammy hand on you. No, I don't even think I
7: say I'm cold. Like if it's the two, if it's just Meredith and I in the studio, one of us will go up to the thermostat, we'll crank it up to like twenty five. But otherwise, like again, it's the stupid macho guy thing. I'm just going to shut up about it.
1: It's just because you don't think that you can actually complain about being cold because that lowers your. Your credibility.
7: Well, I already have the whiniest voice in the world, so I don't really want to give anybody else
1: any added ammunition. <laughs> uh, uh, can't we all just get along? Right. How Do we how do, do we just all wear sweaters? Is that what we do?
6: I think that we all just agree that it's summertime, and we're wearing summer fashions, and that means that maybe the, the, the rules and the dress code for men in a modern-day world needs to decrease the amount of fabric they have to wear, because I, I do feel bad when I see them in their suits out in 30-degree weather doing a coffee run. Maybe they're allowed to wear some t-shirts, too, and then we can all just agree on a comfortable temperature setting because we're all dressed for
1: it. I think we just just all go with kind of a Kardashian sort of, like we all like a Kardashian unisex um, jumper yes. we all have. Yep. Yes. Would that would that solve the problem? A leotard.
6: Summer uniforms.
1: <laughs> Summer Leotard. Thank you very much. Coulter and Meredith and one oh two point one the Edge afternoon drive show. Thank you for being with us. They're right. It's too cold.